As you know, last week I, uh, I expounded on how Paul just gave this uh, monologue or this expression or this celebratory moment where he wants the Ephesians, he wants us to see the greatness of what has happened in terms of what Christ has done for us. And um, he wants the Ephesians, he wants us to know this massive part that we play in God's plan to unite everything and this universe under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he breaks, as I said, into the celebratory discourse and he begins to describe it to us. And then he goes, like I said, and how I ended last week, he says, because of, all, because of all of what Christ has done, because of his resurrection, it is for this reason. So let's carry on reading from verse 15. It says, for this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Him better. And I pray that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in God's holy people, or as some translations say, in the saints. And then verse 19 says, And His incomparably great power for those who believe, that power is the same power that as His mighty strength was exerted in Christ that raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and any title or any name that can be invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under the feet, under His feet, and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. So am I on both cameras here? So I might be close up and personal. So hi, everybody. <laughs> I don't know if that went. Um, but uh, so verse 15 says, for this reason. So for all of what Paul has gone through, his celebratory expression, he says, for all of this, for this reason, since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the people. So what Paul is saying is this is indicative of the gospel. This is indicative of the gospel coming to earth and he understands that what's happened is, is communities of faith will spring up, just like this one. Just like Lifehouse has sprung up and there are people of faith who have faith in Jesus and then love one another. And it's across all the traditional boundaries, whether it's race, whether it's nationality, whether it's gender, it's bringing these people together. And he describes two of the most outstanding characteristics of a Christian, faith and love. See, Christians begin in faith. We, we, we trust in God but it must be expressed through love. Remember 1 Corinthians 13? Without love, everything else is like a resounding gong. Your, your life is just a noise if you don't have love. And it expresses itself in love, what faith does. Now, now, faith is two things. It's one of what we believe, but it's also being faithful or loyal to what we've been given. And as Christians, we need to be faithful and loyal to the plans and purposes that God has entrusted to us. And the Ephesians are people like this. Paul says, hey, I've heard. I know of your faith and your love for one another. And then it goes on in verse 16 and it says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Can you see that Paul, the apostle, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, his life is found and rooted in prayer. He continually holds the Ephesians people, the, the, the part of a church that he helped plant in his heart at all times. And he prays for them. And it's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of the fact that he is living at this interface where heaven and earth meet, which I spoke of last week. 
Christ has made that possible. Where heaven and earth now intersect, where the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, and it's the temple theology of heaven and earth intersecting. And we can live in that place, and it's indicative that we are living in that place if we're a people of prayer. So here comes a fatherly moment. As Lifehouse, I honestly believe that we do not do very well in this area. Now, Shams has got an intercessory group who are fantastic. I know there's a whole bunch of ladies that are there, and I know in particular Maria, uh, Carmen, uh, Louise, Kerry in particular. I know, pray for us and pray for our church on a weekly basis on a Thursday morning. But actually, when we have our Ignite prayer, a half an hour a week, I must be honest, it pains me how little of you come. It takes half an hour of your day to plan ahead. We know it's the same time every week. I know things happen. I know not everyone won't be online every single day. And I know I've used every excuse in the book. Oh, it's the wrong time. Oh, it's the wrong place. Oh, it's the wrong medium. I've been on Zoom all day. Well, to be honest, I'm on Zoom six hours a day for work. I'm working from home. And so honestly, I believe it's a poor excuse to say, oh, I'm, just, I'm all Zoomed out. So we just get Zoomed out. We get, uh, we get laughed out so we don't pray to God. We don't go to the place where heaven meets earth and intersects. And we get together as a, as a, as a body of Christ and we pray. We, we're about to enter into a fast. And some of the stuff that I hear in the airwaves, oh, I'm not going to fast. Oh, what this and oh, what's that? It's not about fasting. It's not about going without. It's not about deprivation. It's about exchanging a, a time that you spend watching TV or, or, or on social media or when you're eating so that you can spend time with God. And so for the next three days, I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you. I'm asking you to join us. We have a pandemic out there. My neighbor died on Thursday of corona. It's a real rude awakening for me personally. We are losing people closer and closer every day because of this pandemic. And the people of God need to step up and pray and push this thing back, which clearly comes from the pits of hell. And I want to encourage us as life asks, can, we, can, can I ask you, can I implore you? Let's be a praying church. And sometimes you think, well, I, I'm struggling. I don't know if God's hearing me. Well, start small. Start with five minutes a day. Start with five minutes a couple of times a day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but come to the corporate prayer time. Learn how to pray. Express yourself in corporate moments. We break up into small groups, and over this time, let's pray and implore God that His Spirit would come and push back the gates of hell. It's called this Corona or COVID-19, whatever we want to call it. You know, prayers like gym. I know many times when you try and exercise, the first few times you go, it's, it's hard. And you saw, and you don't know how to do it, and you, you, know, you come back, and you don't really want to go back. But actually, the more you do it, the more uh, you know, endorphins that get released, and you start to really enjoy either running or cycling or swimming or whatever the case might be. But you've got to start somewhere. And sometimes it's really hard, and I want to implore you again. Come and pray with us. Come and join in the, the fast. Verse 17. And I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you would know him better. So what, what Jesus understands is that, um, you know, what he's saying to us is that we now have access to true wisdom and revelation. It's a gift. Holy Spirit is a gift to us. He's giving us a gift to be able to understand and to have a true understanding of the nature of Jesus. If you go read the Gospels, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send him to you. And he is going to illuminate. He is going to reveal all of what I've said. He's not going to draw attention to himself. But he's going to reveal who I am. And then Jesus says, if you want to know who the Father is, just look at me. And so the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, and, and Jesus reveals the Father, and we know what the Father is like. And the Holy Spirit is the key to, unra to unravel. I loved what 
in our prayer meeting. Again, I want to encourage you, come and pray with us before the meeting. Don't just get up late at 5 to 9 or 1 minute to 9 and log on. Come and join us in the prayer time because we, we are over the airwaves and wanting the Spirit of God to come and settle in our region. And if you're just lying in bed and you're not really wanting to engage, then what does it say about us as a church? We're shrinking back when actually is a time where we need to step forward into what God's called us into. But, but Bruce said it's, it, the, the Scriptures were, yes, written by man, but they were enthused with Holy Spirit who, who came and helped pen it. It wasn't just some kind of trance and ooh. It wasn't that moment. It's Holy Spirit resided in Paul, the apostle. And what he did was he, he listened to the Holy Spirit. He started to pen and he, and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. And so for us to understand what, what, what Paul is trying to say here is that we need a, a conscious understanding of what the scriptures are saying. That inside of us, this word, talk about knowing the Father, knowing Jesus, is a word called epigenosis. Or as in Greek, epigenosis. And what it means is to have this consciousness this revelation, this understanding, this in-depth insight into who Jesus is, who the Father is. And the root word for this is ginosko, which is to, to, as a husband knows his wife, it's this intimacy, it's this um, deep intimacy, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, that a husband and wife have. I know Louise. I know her intimately, physically. And I know my kids are here, and they're going, Dad, shut up. <laughs> emotionally, spiritually. I get her. She gets me. Too many people are having a one-night stand with God. Honestly. We go, we go from day to day, and then we wonder why our lives are such a mess. See, Paul is saying, I've gone on this celebratory monologue. I've described what we have in Christ. This amazing plan, this mystery that I'm revealing to you, which has now been made known by the Father, by the Spirit, by Jesus. But he understands that teaching is not enough. Last week, as I expounded Ephesians 1 to 14, it's actually not enough just to hear a good message. It's not enough just to hear this thing. He understands that we need, in order for us to understand the greatness of salvation, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come and reside in us and to illuminate the words of God that were inspired by Him. It's almost like He is the decipherer. Otherwise, you read the word and you go, what is this? It's like, okay, you know, okay, the church is the fullness of Him. He fills everything in every way. <laughs> okay. Oh. I'm going to get to that. We cannot do without Holy Spirit. He is the key for the wisdom, the insight, the revelation, and the knowing of God. Now, what's interesting is, if you go and read how this whole church came into being, Acts 18, Acts 19, go read there. And what it is, is, is that Paul, he goes on his second missionary journey, and he takes Aquila and Priscilla, business people. It's not a separation of religion and business. He takes business people to go plant the church, and he literally dumps them and runs. And Aquila and Priscilla go into the Hall of Tyrannus, and they see Apollos preaching, but he hasn't quite got his theology right, and they correct him. And then a little while later, Paul comes back on his third missionary journey, and chapter, nine, I mean chapter 19 of Acts, verse 1 and 2, he finds these disciples, and they have faith in Jesus, but they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they say, you know Jesus, but you don't know Holy Spirit. And so he prays for them in verse 6. He lays hands on them and he prays, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to prophesy and speak in tongues. I, I want to implore you. I want to I run hard after God. I know some of you go, whoa, tongues. Gary, that sounds weird. I know. But what happens is, is when you engage God and he gives you this other language, it's for all of us. It's not just for some. 
And what it does is it edifies the person. When I speak in tongues, not to edify you. Prophecy edifies the church. But I want to encourage you to come so that the Holy Spirit would, would, would come and be, you would be baptized. And maybe in a moment, later on, in the 20 minutes or so, we'll, I'll give you an opportunity just to stand before God and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh or come and baptize me anew or whatever it might be. Because we need Holy Spirit to come so that we would be a people who are a prophetic people prophesying into our region, into our workplaces. I'm preaching this morning, people. Paul understands that we cannot live emotionally. Or we can. We can live emotionally for a short time as a Christian. Maybe after this morning you get enthused. Just Gary, that was a great preach. And I'm enthused. And then next week you're... Maybe you have an encounter with God this morning through the worship. The Dale and Paul did an amazing job. But you know what? If you don't continually be be being filled, which we'll touch on in when we hit chapter 4, or by the Holy Spirit. The Christian life requires the power of God, and only He can give it to us. And we leak as Christians. It's like, you know, you've got one of those uh, um, temporary pools, or whatever they call them, and you've got a leak in it, and you've got to keep filling it up. That's what we are. Our, our bodies leak. If we are not engaging God continually, and I know somewhere along in my notes, I've got this, this example, but I'm going to say it again right now, is that it's I was reminded this morning as I was finishing my prep, is this, it's this thing of um, having a radio-controlled vehicle, a car. And the thing is, is that you have to charge. There's, there's a battery inside that, that vehicle. And you have to charge it, and then what you can do is you can get the remote control and you can send it off. But it, it has to come back and get recharged. If it doesn't get recharged, it gets stuck out there. Some of you through this coronavirus time, you've only used Sundays as your recharge time. And so what's happening is you're not strengthening yourself in the Lord. And now you're stuck out there and you're missing and you're moving away from the church. You're moving away from God and you're starting to question. You're allowing the enemy to come in and to impact your thoughts. And you're not taking your thoughts captive. And what's happening is, is the enemy is starting to take over the way you're thinking. And you're moving more and more away from community. And you're going, ah, what is this? And I want to encourage you, come back and get recharged. And yes, this moment is a recharge moment, but you've got to recharge yourself every single day. Otherwise, this remote control, your, your body, as you move further and further away from God, you become less and less influenced by Him. And then all of a sudden, the charge goes away, and there's no connectivity. Verse 18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. See, we all know that our hearts don't have eyes. I don't have like an eye that I, you know, everybody, what's happening. What he's referring to is a perspective of truth and, 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 and perceiving what truth really is. It's fascinating to me that Aristotle in particular thought that the human heart was actually the organ that thought. That your thinking came from your heart. Not from your brain. Your brain was actually just the blood went up there and cooled in your head and came down as it kind of circulated through your body. Now, actually, Scripture talks about how the brain, your thinking, and your heart are so, they're almost, they're so connected that you can't really separate them because Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks, or if you want to go King James, for as a man thinketh. Sorry, I just sprayed it. <laughs> so he is, sorry, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. I got a bit tongue twisted there. Paul is saying that I'm praying that your whole person gets impacted. The way you think, the way you act, 
that you are transformed, that you receive this wisdom. And remember, the Bible is a book of wisdom literature. There is wisdom that God, Holy Spirit, has downloaded into men who have now penned it. And we need that to be illuminated by him. It's like he's the decipherer of the scriptures. Now, what happens in those moments is when we are filled with Holy Spirit, we start to see things that we've never seen before. It's, it's like this moment where it's kind of unveiled. With the op- with the, like we sang this morning, open the eyes of my heart that I might see, that I might know you, God. And, and, and what Paul is saying is, if you don't have Holy Spirit, you can't open up what you perceive, and so you just go with what your human and your flesh can see, as opposed to your spirit engaging God on the, on the various levels. It's like this veil. It's like you open up the curtain and you're able to see beyond your locality, beyond your circumstances, beyond what is going on right before you. And perhaps it's stuff that you've never seen before, but it's actually always been there. It's present. It's relevant. And maybe sometimes it's even shocking. You know, last week we were praying for Natalie. We did that 24-hour prayer vigil. And from what I'm understanding, Natalie, hopefully you're online. Or if you're not, I'm hearing that you are recovering really well. And that's brilliant. And why? Because the church got together and we prayed for her. And the thing is, I'm walking. I was in my study and I was struggling to pray. So I went and my, my slot was between 6 and 7 in the morning. And so I went, and I went walking around our neighborhood. And I do that a lot. Louise and I have walked more than ever over this lockdown period. But actually, for some reason, I just became very conscious of what was around me. I thought, oh, that, that's there. Oh, that house. I didn't realize that that... And it was always there, but I never noticed it. And you see, when we give somebody else the driving wheel, I travel to a certain... And I know a lot of the people are in their cars, but you know that when you were going to work before COVID and you're traveling that road over and over again, you don't look at things. You just carry it on. And sometimes you go, Geez, how did I even get you? You know, because you, you're so automatic. But sometimes Louise takes the driver's wheel. And when Louise takes the driver's wheel, <clears throat> what happens is, is that I start to look around and I start to see things that were always there. And it's the same thing as Holy Spirit. My voice is going a bit. It's the same thing as the Holy Spirit is when he comes and illuminates things, he reveals things that were always there. He reveals the fact that there is another dimension and reality that we can access. The kingdom of God has come. It's an already but not yet dispensation, but we can access it. So my question to you right now is, what does Paul want us to see and know? Well, number one, he wants to reveal and he wants us to see the hope that we have. Remember, Paul has already commended the Christians, the, the, the Ephesians Christians, for the faith and love that they have. But faith and love must have hope. And I know we've done a whole series on this. It's actually indicative of a mature believer. And what this hope is, is it's a member, is an expectation that God is going to do what he said he would do. And so Paul's trying to say to us, the hope that we have is actually caught up in the whole of creation, which God is going to renew. God is going to renew this whole earth. He's not going to destroy it and have a new one he's going to renew this heaven and earth and our hope is that in our resurrected bodies we get to partake in that it's an amazing thought and it's something that blows our minds but if we don't have that hope now let's look at this text for me this is one of the most this is the most phenomenal mind-blowing text that i that i've ever seen is romans 8 21 in particular but it says for the creation was subject to frustration how many of you are frustrated right now not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, there's that word, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. What? You mean creation at the consummation of this age 
is actually going to be brought into play and put into our salvation. I mean, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. That our salvation is the epitome of God's work, and His overall plan moves towards that stage where all of us, every single one of us, because of the salvation God has given, creation gets basically folded up into that. Does that not excite you? It excites me. But do we have that hope? Do we have that revelation? Or is it, nah, thanks Gary, move on. Let's just have brunch while we listen to Gary. Let me chomp on my toast and my coffee next to me. Paul's praying for imagination. I had a conversation with Dale yesterday. I, think we, I mean, as much as I love our building, the one thing I think it does miss is just the stained glass windows. The, 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 we have some art. We want to get more art in. But we want to see the artistic, imaginative realm be expressed in here. We want musicians to write new songs. We want there to be a newness to what we're doing. Why? Because it opens up, Paul's trying to say, open up the eyes of my heart and to the other dimensions of reality that are out there. And that's why God's given us a sanctified imagination, to see Jesus. I want to see you, Lord, in your sanctified imagination. Ask God, God, I want to see you. Not just, uh, yeah, okay, Jesus, try to pray and have my one-night stand with you and move on. With the call of God comes the hope of God, as I've just expressed. Secondly, what does he want us to see? He wants us to see the inheritance in one another. Do you know we only take each other to heaven? I don't take the shirt. I don't take my kids. I mean, obviously, I, I take them ultimately. But I'm saying when, when I pass into eternity, I don't take anything. My car, my house. All I take is the relationships that I have of those who are in faith. And we look around our world today, and it's probably the most disunified, if there's such a word, time in our, in our history. There's this increase of pulling down. I think we just look at our own politics. We look at our own politicians. We don't even have to go overseas. Forget about Trump and Biden. Look at our own politicians and the way that they go on each other on social media. It's quite frankly disgusting. You know, instead of coming with your policies and actually serving the people, you just throw stones at each other. And then the people are dying while you have your own little fights on the side. But as long as you've been enriched, politicians, you're okay. Notice the words. And this stupid thing is causing me hassles today. The riches of his glorious inheritance. Let, let those words just sink in. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You know, what else do I say? It is the most valuable thing to have each other. And yet often what we do is we maim each other because we're struggling. We're the radio-controlled car that's got caught out there. So what do we do? We bite our brother and sister. Rather than coming back, getting recharged, allowing forgiveness and repentance to happen within our own lives so that we can then serve others. I love that song that Dale sang this morning, that Jesus came to serve. We are called to serve our communities, to serve one another. And yet too many Christians are saying this, saying, no, entertain me, entertain me. Our inheritance is, is here to some extent, but it's waiting for us in the hope that God has called us into. And most of that inheritance is in one another that we can experience and taste now. Thirdly, what does Paul want us to see and know? He's incomparably great power for those who believe. You have the Christian life is not just about a made of, of a just her. The Christian life is not just a matter of making a decision. But it's a powerful change and transformation that happens in our life. And, and the thing is, is that we need to be able to see what those possibilities are so we can receive it and walk in it. 
But without Holy Spirit, we can't do that, as I've already said. So Paul, he's, he's, so, he's so keen for us to understand this power that he uses almost all the words for power in, in the Greek language. The word dunamos, where we get our word dynamite. He uses the word um, in, uh, in, in a geo. And yes, I say it, energeo. It's actually, there's an R there. So Why? Because there's the energy of God. We get our word energy that comes through this power of God. There's the kratos. I like the, that word, kratos. It's a strong word. It's God's strength. It even comes with, with, the, with the sound of strength. And then the iskos, which is God's power and ability to be able to do things in our lives. And what those, that power has three things that it does. Number one, it's seen in Jesus' resurrection. And it says this. That the power, that same power is the mighty strength that was exerted in Christ when, we, when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. See, the resurrection of Jesus is probably the greatest demonstration of the power of God. You know, death is a mighty power. We, we look around us and all we see in, in, in this COVID-19 is death. Like I say, my neighbor died on Thursday from COVID-19. It, it's freaky. It's like, what just happened? I saw him walk, walking in the road a few weeks ago. Death actually has rights over us, by the way, because the wages of sin is death. But the beautiful thing is, because of Jesus, the gift of God is eternal life. But death even dragged Jesus down into its depths. But guess what? The power of God, death could not hold him. And then what happens is it says, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. What Paul is quoting is uh, Psalm 110, verse 1. And Jesus himself even um, quoted that out of Luke 20, 43. He says, the Lord says to my Lord, this is the Father saying to the Son, sit at my right hand and I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Can you imagine just those Muppets out there that have always been coming at you and whatever else, and then God just gets them to go on their all fours and you put your feet on them, <laughs> on their back. That's what Jesus has done. What does that mean? It means that God has inaugurated the kingdom through Jesus. And that ultimately he's going to deal with every single opposing power against his kingdom. Everything is in subjection to Jesus. That's what he's trying to tell us. And if we're in Christ and Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, guess what? Even right now we are seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms from a spiritual sense. You see, there's been a, a shift in power. Just like overseas, there's been a shift from the, the, the Republicans to the Democrats. What's happened is, is there's a shift in power from the enemy back to God. Because we gave that power away in the Garden of Eden in humanity with Adam and Eve. And we've now received that back and it's the power of the cross. It's the power of love which overshadows any other power that's around. It's the power that made the stars. It's the power that made the sun. It's the power that brings heaven and earth back together in an intersection. Secondly, what is the, where is the power seen? It's seen in defeating demonic powers. Verse 21 says, This power is far above authority, power, dominion, and every name that can be invoked. Not only in this present age, but in the one to come. See, Jesus conquered demonic powers. Whatever is opposing us, even this COVID-19, Jesus' power, Holy Spirit's power, is way more stronger than anything like that. And Jesus has defeated every single enemy, has defeated every single circumstance, He's defeated the power of sin, the power of death itself. See, Paul's also referring to the fact that in Ephesus you had the temple Artemis or Diana, depending on whether you want to use the Roman or Latin term or the Greek term. 
And so there was a huge spiritual and political power that was at play over that time. No different from now, is it? If we think that what's happening in the U.S., the U.K., in South Africa, in Australia, and across the world in terms of political powers, we separate that. But actually, the spiritual powers and the political powers are so interrelated. Don't misunderstand that what's going on in our world today is that these things are so interrelated that there are demonic powers that are at play across this world trying to obtain power. But the beautiful thing is, is that God's power overshadows that. So Paul is speaking about the Old Testament scriptures being fulfilled in Jesus through his resurrection by the power of this creator God. And it's the real power that overshadows anything else. But we need to understand it. And we can only understand it if we have Holy Spirit who unlocks that in us. And then lastly, Jesus' power is seen through the church. Let's have a look at what this says. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus' power flows through his body, which is the church. Just like my body has its blood flowing through, and my head, my brain, kind of works what's happening with my body, is it's the same thing, is that the church shares the life and the energy and the blood and the very breath of God because of what Jesus has done, and he is head of that, and because of his resurrection. That word fullness is actually a word which, which describes a completeness. In other words, it's like uh, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the church walking into the room and saying to Jesus, you complete me, or the other way around. It's not like Jesus needed completion. Jesus is complete to the uttermost. But he's chosen and he's organized things to actually work through the church and the church to be an extension of himself, his body, his hands, his feet. What are we doing in our, in our locality to be the hands and feet of Jesus into our region, into the places we influence? Because the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit flows through us into the world to be a witness for the kingdom of God and to touch the people around us. So, in essence, the Christian life and the church life is actually all about union with Jesus. It's about His resurrection power. It's the fact that we are strong when we remain connected. My example of the radio-controlled car is exactly that. And that's where I had my example. All of these should affect the way we think about the church. If you're out there and you're listening to this now and you go, ah, the church, maybe you shouldn't be looking at the people, but maybe you should be looking at the fact that it's not some kind of mighty human organization or some kind of little fleet of congregations that make up the church across the world, but it's actually the body of Christ it's the body of Jesus through which Holy Spirit comes and empowers and works out His plans across the earth today. Just, I want you to stop for a moment as I'm coming into land. Think about that phrase for one moment. That the church is the fullness of Him, Jesus, who fills everything in every way. The church is the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. That is the most mind-blowing thing that you can think of. So for those of you who, who kind of poo-poo church, what you're doing is you're saying, I don't, I'm not going to follow God's plan. And, and the church has its problems. Let's not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that God is using the church as a vehicle to fulfill His plans. And the fact is, is that His story hasn't ended yet. It's His story, which we are a part of. And He's saying, this is what I'm doing. What is God doing in the world today? We'll only know what God is doing through hearing through the Holy Spirit. Those of you who are Trump supporters. And you go, what's happening? The world's going to end. No, no, God's in control. He's in charge. No matter what's going on around us. 
For those of you who are anti-ANC and you go, what's the ANC doing? They're a bunch of Muppets. What are they doing? God is in control. He will remove people from power. God allowed Trump to be removed from power for whatever reason. And you can put in whatever you want there. God will remove Biden from power if he doesn't honor the position that God has put in place. God will remove our president Ramaphosa from power if he doesn't honor the place in which God has put him in. He will remove every leader if he doesn't honor. Why? Because all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And he's the one who decides those things. So Paul's great prayer that we've just been through is about the fact that everything that Christ has done and what God has done in raising Jesus is making known to us now and that he is Lord of all. And that he's saying, open up the eyes of your hearts. Open up your minds to be able to see and perceive and have a conscious understanding and be enlightened to what God's doing. He's unveiling what he's doing. And he's saying, here's heaven and earth that have come together. It's been inaugurated. It's, it's not fully done yet. It's not fully established. But it's going to happen because it's proof that Jesus was raised from the dead. He is going to come again and do what he said he's going to do. And you know what he's also saying is understand the vision that God has for you. Who are we? Who, who are we as Lifehouse, as the church? Where, where are we? What are we doing in the time of history? And what are we called to do? Because this is the fulfillment of the vision that Israel had, the story of Scripture. It's the climax of Daniel 7. It's the climax of, of Psalm 110. The age, the, the, that future age has come to the present, the kingdom of God. And the church is part of it. And you and I are part of it. And if we discover what part we play in that, what happens is, is we start to see what Holy Spirit's going to do. And we get energized. We get dumonous power. And we become dynamite for His kingdom. We go out and we pray for people and they get healed. Now some of you might go, oh, Natalie would have recovered. You don't know that. Maybe the prayer vigil was that we got in place and we got between the enemy and, 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 and Natalie. And we said, no more. Why? Because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to us. Because we are believers and we are in Christ. And we can say, COVID-19, you have a name and every name needs to bow to the name of Jesus. And so be gone. Not because of anything that's righteous in me, but because of the righteousness that Christ has given me. And so I want to implore you, church, let's not fade back. Let's not be that radio control vehicle that's stuck out in the middle of nowhere. Let's get down and pray. And you can hear, hopefully there's a righteous anger in me that I see that us as a community are starting to just go further and further apart. And we don't see you online. And we don't see you coming to the prayer meetings. Why? Because you just don't feel like it. Oh my goodness! I don't want you to be online to build life us. I promise you. I want you to be online to build the church and to be the extension of the kingdom of God into the byways and highways of our life. I know some of you are going, she's Gary, you're a bit over the top. Yeah, hopefully I am this morning. I'm tired of, you know, Jesus says, if you look warm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. We forget about that, don't we? Because Jesus is meek and mild and he loves everybody. Sure. I want to implore you this week as we pray and as we fast and we, we come against COVID. And by the way, there's going to be four P's and a U. The fourth one is people. We need to be praying, praying for our front, front line workers. 
the tragedy of what happened with the helicopter crash with the Mill Park doctors. We, we, that, is, that is a ploy of the enemy. Lifehouse, won't you join with me? Hopefully you hear my heart. And I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the apathy that seems to come into the church on a regular basis and pulls the church back from being involved in what God is doing. He then focuses on the evangels and he says, as for you, but you'll have to wait for next week to hear what he starts to say to the people directly. So I want to take this moment. Why don't you close your eyes, wherever you are, and hopefully my shouting and my hopefully righteous anger dissipates into the fact that we focus on Jesus. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to come and illuminate, to open up the eyes of our hearts to be able to see you, to know what you're doing, to engage and to partake in what you're doing. For those of you who want to be filled anew, why don't you stand and just put your, put your hands out. I know this is weird. I've got like three people in front of me, but the point is, is that God's not confined to location. And as I said, when we get to Ephesians 4, you'll see it says, don't get, don't get filled on much wine or drunk on wine, but rather be, be being filled with Holy Spirit. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we come before you. And as Paul said, well, maybe some of you, you you've, you've known God in your head, but you don't have him in your heart. And you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you want Holy Spirit to come and to fill you afresh. Just, just put out your hands. Extend your heart and say, God, Jesus, why don't you open up the eyes of my heart? Spirit of wisdom and revelation, won't you fall upon me now because I want to know the Trinity better. I want to have an intimacy with you. I want to walk with you and talk with you and be guided with you and, and, and to be you know, taken along the paths of life, to be able to be involved in the plan of God across the earth today because we are the body. We are the church, <laughs> the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way.